Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo. We have another, yet another winning week from the Bucks. Uh, looking at the standings, we're just a half game out of first place. However, we're tied with the Boston Celtics for, well, I don't know, that's a bit of a bit of a fallacy there. We're really in fourth place because there's always a tiebreaker um, in which the Celtics must have over us. We have the same record as of now recording uh, just before 4 o'clock Central on Sunday, March 27th. Yeah, just a half game out, uh, yet, we're in, yet we're in fourth. That really speaks to the congestion we've had all year long we also have a new uh, first place team and that's the philadelphia uh 76ers so yeah kind of crazy i'm still digesting it honestly that's why i have a a bit of a pause there um since it's so late in the year i believe this will be our third to last episode before the playoffs essentially so Pretty crazy to say the least. Bucks fans will like to hear that if the playoffs started today, we'd be playing the Bulls in the first round. And that was the first team that we had played since I had recorded the previous episode. And the Bucks dominated the Bulls from the jump, um, especially with the 13-0 run that they closed the first quarter with. And the Bucks did not look back from there, winning by 28, 126-98. And the Bucks starters were Drew, Grayson, Wes, Giannis, and Brooke. You'll notice we were without Chris, and this was interesting. Chris and Giannis actually missed this second game. And in between our first and second game, Giannis and Thanasis made a trip up to Oshkosh to cheer on their brother, uh, Alex, who is with the Raptors 905. And Giannis was wearing, wearing somewhat of a brace on his wrist and people were concerned. But also they're scratching their heads afterward because Chris happened to be out with uh, something having to do with his wrist for the second game of this week. It's probably the same with this first game. I don't have the injury report ahead of me, but Giannis, his ailment at the time was a sore knee and having nothing to do with the wrist. So yeah, I think I even heard something in the press about uh, Bucks maybe not being happy with Giannis uh, being so public with his injury, but I don't know what you're going to do, you know, if you're Giannis, because he's wearing the brace for a reason. But are you going to say he's not allowed to? Are you going to say he's not allowed to watch his his brother's game when he's playing in Wisconsin instead of Canada? That's a bit ridiculous. So maybe it wasn't as much of a thing as as it uh, as it might be in my head. Um, either way, no Chris, no problem. The Bulls starters were Alex Caruso, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Javante Green, and Nikola Vucevic. I mentioned on the last episode that Patrick Williams um, had come back. He came off the bench for the Bulls, and I suppose that wasn't that wasn't a huge issue because Javante Green actually uh, had a couple thunderous dunks uh, for the Bulls in the first quarter. Um, oh, also worth mentioning uh, before I bury a lead here. Uh, this game was at Fiserv, of course, with the nature of the I-94 matchup. The Chicago, Chicago Bulls fans, uh, to, the, to the chagrin of us here in the good land, always make their presence known at Fiserv. So 
uh, I think there were a lot of, there were definitely uh, some boos heard to begin with, but Grayson, Grayson silenced them to a degree from the jump, making three of the Bucks' first four field goals. And uh, after that first quarter and the 13-0 run, the Bucks led 33-20. to Giannis with 10 points and 5 rebounds, and Vuce with 11 points after uh, the first period. At the beginning of the second, Serge, Drew, and Wes all switched uh, a few long jumpers in short order. We also got a Javon Carter uh, crossing up Kobe White, and then on another play later on after he had he uh, converted on the basket after the crossover, forced a jump ball against Kobe White. Uh, so hard to believe, but it seems like Javon Carter's stock is is only increasing uh, by the game. Giannis had a couple easy baskets later on in the second quarter, and he eventually found Brooke for three. Uh, with still some time left in the second quarter, Giannis already had 11 rebounds against this smaller Chicago Bulls team. And the Bucks had a comfortable 16-point advantage going into the third quarter. Giannis with 14 points, 11 rebounds, and 2 assists. Meanwhile, Vuce had 15 points and 3 rebounds. Giannis would stuff DeMar DeRozan at the rim, but DeMar would get the putback. Uh, <laughs> uh, this, will, this will definitely be, or has been a theme throughout the week for me. I had lost internet for a chunk of this game. Uh, I really hope that does not persist uh, again this week because, of course, with my day job, with what actually pays the bills, uh, you know, being able to to be on the computer is a pretty big deal, especially for my roommate who's fully remote yet and would even have a longer drive into the office. So, uh, you know, please keep me in your thoughts this week and hoping that I don't have to make another call to Spectrum. Uh, I digress, though, and especially because the Bucks increased their lead from 13 to 20 throughout the time that I didn't have eyes on the game. And um, shortly after I got my uh, illegal stream back up, Giannis would put, uh, Tristan Thompson uh, on a poster. Maybe maybe Giannis's dunk of the week. That's not a segment that I regularly have, but off the top of my head, it's definitely there. It's probably the most ferocious, I would say. Uh, yeah, Giannis having... Not really afraid to go at Tristan Thompson, to say the least. Uh, Drew Holiday also had a crazy uh, buzzer-beating contested fadeaway mid-ranger to close the third quarter, and the Bucks um, actually increased their lead in the third quarter. Uh, that can't be said for all of the games this week, but maybe we're starting to see the Bucks, uh, you know, Stem the tide a bit more in the third in the third compared to you know earlier in the season, but don't quote me on that. Uh, so after three, the Bucks led ninety-one to sixty-nine. Giannis had twenty-three points, four rebounds, and four assists to Zach Levine's twenty points, two rebounds, and six assists. Uh, Demar Derozan was bodying Wes. Um, and dunked it past him after uh, driving baseline. But then Drew Holiday had uh, 12 points in the first five minutes of the fourth quarter alone to really secure it for the Bucks. Grayson would also score twice in a row on drives through traffic. Even after Alex Caruso had stripped him, uh, Grayson was able to, to quickly recover the ball and get to the basket. This was... a uh, Oh, welcome trend this week was Grayson actually showing uh, more chops with putting the ball on the floor. It helped that we were playing uh, the Bulls, who don't really have a chance against teams with 
like with real size that uh, has been that's been huge uh, for them this season. I'll probably misquote it, but we all know that that there's a kind of a I'm sure Chicago fans are more tired of it, but I've even heard it so much where I get less excited about the fact that the Bulls, or excuse me, yeah, the Bulls are um, essentially winless against the the top uh, four seeds in the East, if I remember correctly. Uh, but yeah, if Grayson can, you know, diversify his offense. Uh, a little bit more than then I'm sure he'll answer some questions that Bucks fans uh, may have about his playing time. Uh, I don't know. I feel like going into this season, Grayson was was the clear starter. Uh, of course, we didn't have Dante to begin the year, so that was that was a huge part, but. You know, then we remember Dante started off a bit slow and he was coming off of a major injury. So Grayson's really had a starting spot all year. I don't know if, like, who starts the game. That's That doesn't matter a ton, we know that. It's more about who finishes it, and it's not always Grayson Allen there. Um, I think that has just more to do with the fact that we have uh, more wing depth than... We have in the past with the Wesley Matthews renaissance, Pat Connaughton, um, especially taking a step uh, throughout last year's playoffs. Now we have now we have Javon Carter too, who's uh, bargaining to take minutes from George Hill, but that will be uh, pretty difficult, uh, a pretty difficult pill, especially for Bud to swallow, but. I don't know. We we know Bud will do what's best for the team, and yeah. Uh, either way, shout out Grayson Allen for stepping up to the plate again. It must have been um, not the easiest game uh, to prep for, at least mentally, because uh, I'd mentioned last episode that Caruso was on the. Uh, he was on the J.J. Redick podcast and mentioned that Grayson Allen actually never reached out to apologize to Caruso when there are reports saying that he had. So that's not a good look, if true. Um, but we all know the situation was probably blown uh, a bit out of proportion, especially with the coverage that I got on this episode, I will be the first to admit, so... Um, either way, after, after Drew had, had his, uh, early fourth quarter explosion, uh, we knew that we, there'd be a chance for some Thanastia Nawara action late in the fourth. And I thought it was interesting too. The Bulls didn't bring in Troy Brown Jr. until, um, until the Bucks had brought in Thanastia and Nawara. And I, I don't know. I thought um, Brown Jr. was was a pretty good pickup for them uh, back when uh, he must have been a part of the the deal that sent Daniel Gafford to the Wizards, and we know that's worked out well uh, in Washington. Well, we'll cover that game shortly, uh, to be sure. But I don't know. Brown's a, a pretty good size wing. I think he's probably pushing like. Six 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 seven, and at that rate, he could even uh, find some minutes nominally at the four. You'd think for the for the Bulls. So I don't know that that really stuck out to me because you'd think his size would be uh, his size alone would be welcome uh, in this lineup, especially because he has guard skills. But perhaps that means he he might he might play smaller. Uh, than his size would suggest. Uh, but, you know, I can't say I'm the biggest Bulls expert, so y'all can ask uh, someone in Chicago about that. And, 
even though we had gotten into into some garbage time, we um, there would still be uh, a bit of entertainment uh, late in this game as Serge and Thompson would get into it. I think they had their. I think Tristan had like grabbed uh, Serge's wrist or something battling for a rebound and Serge didn't like that and he was kind of batting away uh, maybe even punching at uh, at Thompson's arm to get him off of Serge but cooler heads prevailed they're both veterans they both um, they're both physical guys so <laughs> yeah it's funny that was that was then two games in a row where Serge uh, Serge got mixed up with with someone on on the opposing team uh, and that's always fun uh, for us bucks fans and my closing note here was uh, it's not every game we, that we get to see uh the nasty and we may remember in a blowout in a recent blowout game there was one where Thanasty famously went up for for a contested layup and that he couldn't convert, but he was arguing with the refs that it should have been called a foul, and uh, he was uh, kind of laughed at and by the team and scolded a bit from Bud for for you know being so aggressive so late in the game when you know someone had already lit the victory cigar. One might even joke that 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 is uh, that is the nasty himself, the the uh, the victory cigar, uh, and I think it was the broadcast who had pointed out that the Nassus turned to Bud and asked if he could shoot at the end of the game, and I think uh, Bud shook his head. Uh, uh, no, buddy, I'm sorry. We're, we're up by 28, even though we're at home. We probably shouldn't should be rubbing it in anymore. And the Bucks. Um, Ended with uh, a final score of 126 to 98. Uh, Drew Holiday was the high score with 27 points and seven assists. Voose ended with 22 points, seven rebounds, and two assists. Uh, quickly, I want to make sure I touch on this because. Uh, as of today, we would be playing the Bulls in the in the four five matchup in the first round. Obviously, quite fluid with the top four seeds being a half game at most between each other. But that's just interesting to think about. So I want to go through. If the playoffs started today, the it'd be Bucks Bulls in the four five matchup. In the three six, it would be. The Celtics versus the Raptors. And I'm going to go ahead. Whenever I I look at these standings and what the matchups could be, I always kind of say to myself, assume that the the Nets win the play-in tournament because it's still laughable that the Nets are currently an eighth seed. So if I'm going to continue with that logic where... The Nets actually end up in seventh, even though they're nominally uh, the eighth seed. Uh, they would be playing the now second seeded uh, Miami Heat, and say the say the Nets take the seventh seed from the Cavs. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna get too cute with it, and I'm just gonna say say that the say that the Cavs are good enough to to make it past the currently. Nine and ten seeded Hornets and Hawks, respectively, and they would play the Sixers in the first round as the eighth seed. So, hopefully, you were able to follow that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, much deeper uh, Eastern Conference this season than years past, uh, as we've gone over plenty. Obligatory water break. A uh, couple other stuff before I jump right back into some basketball action. 
I'd removed it from my short list of topics to cover. It's not entirely necessary, but there was some news that came out in between our Bulls and Wizards game. Uh, I mean, the most, uh, you know, what affects the Bucks the most is the fact that uh, Kyrie Irving, um, if it isn't already official, it seems like faded complete that the that Kyrie Irving will will now be able to play uh, play in New York, which means he'll be able to play all home games, and the only games he won't be able to play will be uh, when he's uh, playing Toronto. So it doesn't look like look like that will be a first round matchup at all. I suppose that could come into play though if the Cavaliers are currently only a game back behind the Raptors. So if the Raptors fall to seventh, then that could be huge for uh, the play-in tournament yet. Regardless, I would still pick Kevin Durant, maybe Ben Simmons and the rest of the Nets over the Raptors, but Raptors would make it tough on them. Uh, so that's definitely huge for the Bucks because all year we had assumed that... Uh, that Kyrie Irving would only be available for maybe half of the uh, postseason due to the uh, vaccine mandate, but now that has since been amended uh, to where uh, athletes and performers in New York can now participate regardless of their vaccination status. I know that has an effect not only on Kyrie Irving, but also some some MLB players with the season around the corner. I think Aaron Judge is included in that, but I might as well stop while I'm ahead with the basketball talk. Uh, on more positive note, uh, the uh, Kobe Bryant's estate, that's how it was reported, but you know, um, Kobe's wife, Vanessa, and Nike have agreed to continue their partnership. And I thought it was cool that part of the agreement is that 100% of the proceeds for, um, you know, I guess I'm assuming any Kobe product that Nike makes. So if they continue making Kobe's from here on out, or even if they don't, I'm sure they'll still be selling plenty. Uh, that, that will all be going to the Mamba Foundation and and said foundation will be going towards building a, a youth sports facility in Los Angeles. So that's uh, that's quite major, I would say. Uh, it's funny, my roommate's a lot more in tune with um, matters like that. He's more into into like shoes and fashion and what have you. So he he was pretty excited about it, but um, yeah, I I feel like in my head I was probably um, I don't know probably undervaluing this this news because of course this is probably really important to some of our players uh, like our guy PJ Tucker down in now down in Miami. Uh, but I'm sure we have other guys who play in Kobe's. I'm trying to remember if Giannis ever played in Kobe's before he had his signature shoe. Uh, I can leave that that be, like I said. Um, it's a bit out of my wheelhouse, but I'd say it's that's uh, good news to be sure. And the last bit of positivity here before we... Continue on with the, with our second Bucks one of the week was uh, Isaiah Thomas got a rest of season contract with the uh, Charlotte Hornets. It had had ten day contracts with I think it was the Lakers, Mavericks, and Hornets this season. I don't remember if it was anyone else, but I think it had two ten days with the Hornets, and uh, now he'll be there for the rest of the season. I think that's awesome. 
because Hornets were seven and two in the in the uh, in the stretch of games that uh, it had played with them this season. So uh, definitely well deserved, but he's probably uh, he's probably on the short list of you know everyone's favorite NBA player that's kind of on the fringes of uh, of the NBA at the moment. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that has, uh, that's been some good news to come out of, uh, of course, all the player absences that we had, especially, uh, especially during January when Omicron, uh, swept the nation. Uh, how about I dive back into some more Bucks content though, uh, mentioned the Bucks took care of business against the Wizards even though they were without Giannis and Chris and they won uh, 114 to 102 uh, but they had much larger leads earlier in the game and uh, full disclosure I um, I didn't watch I didn't watch the entire game <laughs> um, I just had other stuff going on and this game didn't seem like the most con- consequential especially with uh you know having having a first a 19 point lead after the first quarter and then a uh and then an 18 point lead at half uh i figured you know even with the third quarter bucks potential here uh you know i had other i had other stuff to to get through oh yeah and here here's the uh I keep the notifications up from the Bucks app just so I can keep track of the scoring by quarter and uh, the Bucks. Can I do math? It looks like the Bucks actually extended their lead going into the fourth quarter of this game. So third quarter Bucks was not a phenomenon uh, against the Wizards. So it must have been fourth quarter Bucks that uh, really. Yeah, threatened to crap the bed. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Bucks led by 26 going into the fourth. And then got outscored by uh, 14 in the fourth quarter. Nevertheless, the Bucks starters against the Wizards were uh, Drew Holiday, Grayson Allen, Wesley Matthews, Bobby Portis, and Brooke Lopez. And the Wizards starters were uh, Howell Neto, Tavius Caldwell, Pope, Corey Kispert, Rui Hachimura, and Chris Tapps Porzingis. I'll admit, once I heard the news that Chris and Giannis were going to be out, I was um, mildly nervous, at least. It's hard when we're losing, arguably, uh, our top two guys and definitively our, our number one in Giannis, but I would, I'd say that the nerves kind of went out the window pretty quick once once we were also shown the Wizards lineup. Uh, no slander against anyone in particular. I think they do still have a lot of interesting pieces, but with them not having with them not having Bradley Beal or Kyle Kuzma, who's been huge for them this year, having also traded away uh, Montrezl Harrell, uh, they're a lot less intimidating. So... Uh, Brooke Lopez caught a lob early in the first quarter, um, and we got to see a lot of Contavious Caldwell Pope uh, pulling up uh, off of screens at the elbow, and that is not what I would think of as the highest percentage look um, that we would see from an opponent. So I was pretty cool with that, and the Bucks also had a had a nine zero run in the first quarter. Uh, Playing a part in our 19 uh, point advantage after the first quarter, 32 to 13. Uh, Drew Holiday had 10 points, two rebounds, and three assists after the first quarter. And no one on the Wizards had more than four points. As you can imagine, only 13 points total. Uh, into the second, Serge Ibaka had a quick six points uh, early in the second period. Uh, the Wizards started to look to get out more in transition because they were struggling against the Bucks' uh, half-court defense. 
Um, but Javon Carter was able to pick someone's pocket, and he was really shot out of a cannon, uh, trying to get to the cup as soon as possible uh, to beat the, the Washington defense. But Daniel Gafford caught up to him in time and swatted him off the backboard. Pretty impressive play. Uh, I mentioned the the former bull there, who I bet they, they really miss uh, now. But Gafford's probably... He's a real underrated guy, I must say. I think it's recently... Um, Nate Duncan, I'm assuming it was Holland, Hollinger and Duncan that I was listening to, but it could have been the Dunked On podcast. They were doing a redraft of whichever year Gafford was selected, and come to think of it, I'm questioning even more if I'm citing the correct podcast. Either way, I had heard a redraft of Gafford's draft, and someone had him uh, within the top 10, and even pushing top five in that year. Maybe it wasn't the, the best, the strongest draft that Gafford was in, but, you know, I'd say for for a, for a rim-running center, that uh, says a lot about his polish uh, so far in his young career. At halftime, though, the Bucks still had an 18-point lead, 60-42. to 42. Drew Holiday had 17 points, two rebounds, four assists, and Contavious Caldwell-Pope had... Uh, gotten up to 12 points and four rebounds. Uh, Grayson sunk uh, two threes for the Bucks in a row, but then he followed that up with back-to-back turnovers, unfortunately. Uh, he wasn't, he's still, again, like that Bulls game, wasn't wasn't afraid to attack the basket like sometimes he seems uh, less enthused about. Um, just this particular stretch, though, it didn't quite uh, go well for him, but Bucks uh, had some room to to play with their food a bit, and uh, at least didn't hurt them in the third quarter. It was the fourth quarter where maybe uh, fans would have been more nervous. But like I said, I kind of turned this one off earlier. Uh, Rui Hachimura actually put Serge Ibaka on a poster. He might have done so twice in the third quarter, or that could have also been Daniel Gafford. Uh, But... You know, it's whatever. I'm sure uh, Serge didn't lose any sleep over it. Uh, he, like our like our guys Giannis and Brooke, aren't afraid to go up and contest a shot, even if it means that that uh that they might come out on the losing end. And uh, and uh, yeah, the Wizards do have athletes in their front court to be sure, uh, like the guys I just mentioned who um, had those contested dunks, but. Of course, they got Porzingis back in that trade for Spencer Dinwiddie, and the Wizards are the one who looked to have really benefited uh, from it. But, but yeah, uh, Wizards didn't weren't having an amazing season before the trade either. So, uh, you know, maybe 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 the trade on its own wasn't. Uh, wasn't what killed this game for for the Wizards. Uh, Tomas Sadoransky also was assessed for a flagrant foul against Grayson Allen. Um, from what I had seen, uh, I heard that Tomas was really upset with the refs for not uh, getting a foul call, and he kind of took out his aggression uh, on Grayson Allen, who was uh, you know, distributing an outlet pass at the time and trying to sneak by Sadoransky, but Sadoransky just got his body in the way and also kind of stuck out his arm. I heard someone someone call it a clothesline, and I think that's a that's kind of a bit misleading, but it was still uh it was still it was still a, a reckless, unnecessary foul. Uh no one got hurt and that's the most important thing, but Refs probably did their job making sure that making sure that the game was still uh, under control. Uh, in the end, though, the Bucks did win one fourteen to one hundred two. Uh, Drew Holiday, of course, was our leader again with twenty four points, three rebounds, and ten assists. Ten of eighteen from the field, three of six from three, 
Ish Smith was the uh, high man for the, or the leading scorer, rather, for the Washington Wizards with 17 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists, 8 of 10 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3. And Grayson Allen had 21 points and 4 rebounds himself, uh, 7 of 10 from the field, 5 of 7 from 3, 2 of 2 from the line. Uh, so yeah, from there I felt pretty comfortable, <laughs> you know. I, 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 you know, I'm just obsessed with being able to say that the Bucks had a winning week, because uh, I know we can't, you know. Although perfection is something that we hope our Bucks are chasing, it's not something we can, we can realistically expect, and we'll get more into that with the next game. It's going through my Twitter notifications, though. Uh, going into our final game of the week against the Grizzlies. And, uh, of course, the Grizzlies were, were without John Morant, but that is, uh, you know, laughably, um, in a good way for the Grizzlies, not as big of a deal as one might think. Uh, fortunately, the Bucks were without Drew Holiday, but you would you would think that that uh, with the Bucks still having Giannis and... Uh, Chris, that they that they should have been favored in this one, but uh, I don't know. I think I'll, I'll go ahead and bite my tongue on that because if you had watched the game, you you know I bet a Grizzlies a Grizzly fan would uh, poke fun at that. Regardless, when I was going through my Twitter notifications, like I was saying, um, I saw that Shams had reported earlier in the week, just before this game, that job. Ja, will be reevaluated in two weeks due to a tweaked knee. And that's verbatim. He just said a tweaked knee. So seems rather unspecific for an injury to one of the best guys in the league. Also, a key word is reevaluated. So um, with only three weeks left in the season, it sounds like it's not 100% that uh, that jaw will play a ton more games going into the playoffs but you know I can't speak to uh, you know the likelihood of it but uh, starters for the Bucks were George Hill, Grayson Allen Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez to the Grizzlies uh, Tyus Jones, Desmond Bain Dylan Brooks, who had recently come back after missing a lot of time. Jaron Jackson Jr. And the Kiwi, uh, Steven Adams. Adams was teed up early for arguing with a ref after Bobby had bumped Jaron. Um, it was a really physical game from the jump, so it's not the most surprising. But that particular play, I don't think it was really anything to get too... Uh, caught up about, of course, uh, Adams is a guy who will always stick up for his teammates. I don't blame him, but I think the play was kind of a a, a long um, a long outlet pass, more of a hail mary to Jaron Jackson Jr. But uh, Bobby was trying to go stride for stride for him, and Bobby was able to bother. Bother Jaron enough to not be able to secure the pass in a, you know, in a entirely legal way, but when they had come down, they had both just, I don't know, Bobby playing defense, they had just come down near each other, and, uh, you know, and the two landing together, uh, Bobby might have just like butt bumped him a little bit, and Jaron thought that thought that it was it was unnecessary and apparently Adams did too but you know two guys going up for the ball you you might uh you might run into the guy but that doesn't mean that it's that it's uh that it's dirty or or doesn't even mean that it's a foul uh Grizzlies did do well scoring in the paint uh against the Bucks with floaters and and runners uh, I was listening to a to a Memphis broadcast for this one, unfortunately. So, uh, yeah, it was a it was a long uh, two and a half hours to be sure last night, but 
They did have some good points, especially, uh, you know, sharing thoughts about the Grizzlies' success in this one. And, uh, of course, you couldn't miss the trend of the of the Grizzlies like Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks, and, and others, uh, you know, hitting those real short shots, not quite at the basket, but just before it. And, uh, yeah, I'd say they said that a lot of credit to the Grizzlies getting the, those open shots. Uh, those close mid-range shots had to do with their big men, uh, you know, Adams, Jaron, Xavier Tillman, uh, really cutting hard and making making the Bucks account for account for the big men, uh, and not being able to help as much onto onto the ball handlers. So Grizzlies won after the first quarter, or they had the lead at that point, but it was only a four point advantage, twenty eight to thirty two. Uh, Chris Middleton had nine points and two rebounds. And uh, thought it was uh, kind of funny. The Bucks used, had already taken uh, three take fouls uh, to try and slow down the Grizzlies in transition. Uh, they're a pretty good transition team, if I remember correctly, along with the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and uh, it's uh, probably not such a coincidence because Taylor Jenkins is part of the uh, Mike Boonholzer's ever-growing uh, coaching tree, similar to, you know, a, a subgroup of the Greg Popovich coaching tree. But uh, like the Bucks, the Grizzlies have uh, some of the best interior defense uh, in the league, and that really bothered bothered the Milwaukee Bucks. I've heard a lot of hype around um, the potential of Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, winning Defensive Player of the Year. That's, uh, of course, we want our guy Giannis. He's, um, he's a... Uh, He's, he's earned uh, a spot, at least in the Defensive Player of the Year uh, conversation. Uh, the Bucks, understandably, uh, haven't had uh, the same defensive metrics since they haven't had Brooke Lopez for most of the year, but uh, it's nice to see that uh, that uh, the media is still giving credit where it's due to Giannis, but I think a lot of it is also due uh, to Jaron Jackson Jr., um, you know, especially with what I saw, what I saw last night, um, holding the Bucks to to one hundred two with with uh, Giannis, uh, with Giannis and Chris and Brooke back. Uh, I don't know how many other times that's happened this year. So, I'm not going to argue with anyone if they if they think Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, is in the Defensive Player of the Year conversation. I'm not comfortable picking one uh, singular guy outside of Giannis uh, due to my bias alone, but, uh, you know, I'd say a lot of people would be willing um, willing to put money on Jaron Jackson Jr. being at least uh, on one of the all-defensive teams, and uh, I think he belongs there. Uh, he's definitely... Uh, one of the more improved guys uh, in all of the NBA this year, along with John Morant and other guys on the Grizzlies. And uh, and it makes sense since they <laughs> since they jumped all the way up to to the uh, second seed in the Western Conference. Uh, Zaire Williams would also uh, cross over Pat Connaughton, unfortunately. Uh, not something I'd something I'd like to forget about, definitely. Uh, but I got to give credit to Zaire there, a young guy that people had questioned uh, if it would take him a little bit more time to come along. But he's uh, especially in the absence of Dylan Brooks before uh, 
Zaire stepped into the starting lineup a bit, and he, uh, you know, he showed that he he uh, that he's really earned his time on the court, even on this uh, even on the second seed in the Western Conference. Uh, back to the talk of defensive player players of the year, uh, Giannis would stuff uh, Kyle Anderson, and uh, Anderson would would regain possession of the ball, but then. Uh, Giannis would force and then win the jump ball, and uh, the Grizzlies would also miss a three, and we would see uh, the kind bounce to a leggy or pigeon, as the No Dunks crew would uh, would coin it. I forget. Uh, I forget if it's leggy or pigeon. I think that was kind of a funny topic that the No Dunks crew had uh, way back in the day, so. Forgive me, no dunks, for not having the correct terminology, but y'all know what I mean there. And, uh, yeah, that served as a, a bit of a distraction for the fact that the Bucks were had a 13-point um, deficit going into halftime, uh, 46 to 59. Uh, still in reach, but unfortunately we, we get some third-quarter Bucks uh, moving forward. Giannis had 10 points, 9 rebounds, 4 assists at half. Meanwhile, uh, DeAnthony Melton was leading the Grizzlies with uh, 12 points and 3 rebounds. Early in the third quarter, Steven Adams actually passed uh, Zach Randolph for having the most uh, offensive rebounds in a season for uh, Memphis Grizzly. Um, as he grabbed uh, two offensive boards uh, uh, pretty quick <laughs> to start the quarter. Um if you told me he was leading the lead in offensive rebounds, I would completely believe you. It's not a stat I have in front of me, but it would check out. He's definitely one of the best guys in that regard and has been his entire career. Um, related to Stephen Adams, to be sure, Bobby Portis was struggling uh, early in the third quarter. He had uh, a few ugly moments in a row, not even uh, taking into account that after having a few missed shots uh, early in the third. Uh, Bobby was um, assessed for a flagrant one after a high kick that caught uh, caught Tyus Jones in the jaw, which uh, sounds pretty brutal, but I think he kind of had just, he had just grazed uh, Tyus Jones, but can't really argue the flagrant uh, there. Uh, dude shouldn't be Dude shouldn't be having their head punted in in the NBA. That's for sure. I would be happy. Um, you did see Giannis kind of uh, get set into a different gear into the third quarter with a with a greater sense of urgency, knowing how much the um, how much the Bucks got down early. So he was so he was um, he was attacking the basket. Uh, aggressively all throughout the third quarter, but that was stymied by uh, D'Anthony Melton hitting three threes in a row before a Mike Budenholzer timeout. Uh, after the timeout, Giannis would uh, have a have another huge block this time against Desmond Bain, but Bain would close out the third quarter with a uh, tough with a tough finish over the trees and. Uh, the deficit continued to grow uh, for the Bucks. It was uh, 79 to 98, a 19-point deficit going into the fourth. Giannis had gotten his scoring totals up to uh, 28, along with 10 rebounds, four assists. My math's right there. That's 18 points in the third quarter alone. So can't say he wasn't trying, but uh, but D'Anthony had 12 himself in the third quarter. Uh, to, uh, you know, add to his tally of uh, 24 points and three rebounds after the third period. And uh, continuing on into the into the final quarter here, uh, Giannis kept attacking the rim as uh, the Grizzlies weren't picking him up at the free throw line, so... You know, if you don't if you don't slow him down before he he gets to the rim, uh, 
That's it's uh, barbecue chicken for him. He's gonna he's gonna eat you up in the paint and uh, finish at the rack. Desmond Bain though would uh, grab two steals in a row. Um, one of them uh, led to a lob to Zaire Williams, and um, after that, Zaire Williams would also have a fancy uh, Euro step. Uh, and and a finish in the paint. Uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. would get called for an offensive foul against Pat Connaughton, and uh, yeah, he was not happy about that. I don't blame him. It was is a pretty soft uh, foul. Uh, it it kind of looked that like he had hooked Pat's arm, so that's where the offensive foul was. I suppose, but I think Jaron was arguing that that uh, that Jaron was just uh, naturally going into his move, and it was Pat who had gotten his arm uh, kind of stuck stuck in there. Normally, that would go uh, that would go against the defense, uh, to be sure. So, not a great call, but um, the Grizzlies at that point were probably close to close to a twenty point lead. And meanwhile, the the Grizzlies broadcast were was entering. Or what am I saying? The Grizzlies broadcast was acting as if that offensive foul against Jaron Jackson was was the most egregious call that they had seen all season. And they had been really crapping on the refs all throughout this game, even though they they were leading. So as a Bucks fan, stuck with that illegal screen. I, excuse me, illegal stream of the Memphis broadcast. I was a bit annoyed, but probably just projecting my feelings uh, a bit. Um, and then Bud ended up throwing in the towel anyway with a lot of t- a lot of basketball left to play. Uh, but we've, we've seen this, I feel like, a lot more lately with Bud not necessarily trying to play uh, the big three 35 minutes or more to try and win these regular season games. We're winning enough at this point where even though it's a tight playoff race, we know it's most important that we're just healthy going into the playoffs. We're not going to try and run away from anybody like we did try to run away from the heat last year and it worked out for us. So, like I think against the Timberwolves the Saturday prior, I was kind of annoyed because I don't think I think we had some members of the big three. Yeah, we were without Giannis that game. Giannis was the one missing, but I don't know how much Drew or Chris played in the fourth quarter last game. I was a little annoyed because I was like, you can't even play them a minute in the fourth quarter. Like that's a whole twelve minutes of basketball that that the Bucks that the Bucks could have at least tried to come back in, but. You know, at least uh, at least at least our our important guys did see some action in the fourth quarter. So, uh, yeah, we saw we got to see some more victory cigars. However, this time uh, it would be the Memphis Grizzlies victory cigars in the form of Bucks players, and that's uh. Lindell Wigington, Thanasis Antetokounmpo, and Sandro Memo Kelashvili. Uh, on a less sarcastic note, shout out uh, uh, Mamu for having a a, a thirty point twenty rebound game in the G League uh, this past week. That is a, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's impressive. Regardless of if it's in the G League, it's you know, it's. You know, NBA basketball adjacent uh, at the very least, and he put up uh, thirty and twenty against uh, NBA athletes. So, shout out to Mamu. Uh, I believe uh, Rajon Tucker is also just announced by the herd that he is now the leading scorer in Wisconsin herd uh, history. So, shout out to Rajon. He's I think he had played with our elite with our A team. Um, in previous years, but not this, but not this go around. Uh, but he's been in Oshkosh for 
a while, clearly, and having success down there. So, shout out to Herd. Uh, seeing a lot more of them on my Twitter timeline, but I'm not complaining. I'll always take more. I always take more basketball highlights. Uh, <laughs> it's funny going back down down my notes here a bit. Um, there'd be another offensive foul, but this time. Uh, Bobby was whistled for the offensive foul against Jaron, so that must have felt good for that uh, Grizzlies broadcast. Um, and, you know, even better for them was Jaron actually put uh, put Mamu on a poster. Uh, but at least Mamu had that had that 30-point, 20-rebound game, so you probably couldn't tell him nothing. It's one it's uh it's uh, one play at the end of the game, so hopefully Mamu has a has a short memory there. If that's the saying that's used often, uh, Carter was still in at this point. Javon he got a steal in the backcourt and found Wigington uh, under the basket to uh, to you know decrease the deficit ever so slightly. I should mention that. Steal from Carter came after Wigington uh, missed a three. Where I thought there was a chance that it could have been a foul, but maybe it was maybe it was just an exceptional contest. But I think Wigington did hit the deck uh, after that three point attempt. So could have been some funny business going on there, but but yeah, it wasn't a great angle uh, for us on that play and. Like I said, game was already over at that point. Bucks lost 102 to 127. Uh, Giannis had 30, 11, and 4. And Melton was the leading scorer for the Grizzlies with uh, 24 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists. Let's see. Pardon me. Obligatory water break. Um, I have a few more notes to close on here. Uh, I feel like there's been, uh, naturally a lot more Bucks content with our, uh, with our added success lately. And, um, uh, that's always good because it gives me more, more, more stuff to share with, uh, you listeners out there. Uh, the Thinking Basketball show with uh, Ben Taylor, uh, they were going over um, the the Bucks' uh, incredible offense this year, and a lot of that having to do with the um, added consistency from Drew Holiday there as opposed to the playoffs. Um, yeah, really night and day, uh, Drew's offense looks compared to uh, the playoffs at times, and um, you know that's not meant to be. Um, that's not meant to be negative because we know that Drew's, um, you know, all defense play on the other end always uh, means we're we're better having him on the court, no matter how he's shooting. But. Uh, Regardless, Thinking Basketball pointed out that uh, on the season, the Bucks had have basically had a 122 offensive rating uh, as long as Drew Holiday's on the court. That's whether uh, that's whether Drew's out there alone, or if he's with, or if he's with Giannis, or if he's with Chris. But any Drew Holiday lineup, I believe, is even better than a lineup with. Uh, without Drew Holiday, but having Giannis and Chris. And I think that's that's pretty impressive. And also, um, in lineups where it's where um, it's just Drew Holiday out there, Drew Holiday is uh, averaging 32 points and, and uh, 9 assists uh, per 75 possessions. So... Uh, I mean, yeah, we've been talking about it for a while here, but I was happy that Thinking Basketball was able to share some numbers for us, uh, you know, to speak to uh, 
Drew's uh, consistent consistency on offense, which has brought the Bucks to to another level this year and keeping us uh, keeping us at least in the top half of the Eastern Conference. And uh, and of course, uh, Marcus Johnson stopped by the Low Post podcast um, where he was kind of echoing similar stuff. Of course, he talked about uh, Drew's improvement on offense and his tough shot making uh thinking basketball had mentioned that uh drew's post game is something that he's going to a lot more and it's something that they think will will continue to hold up given his size especially at the guard position they um they also brought up uh thinking basketball did drew's uh drew's amazing uh deeper mid-range game naturally they they question if that will hold up uh as much moving forward but uh still if he's performing well now we ought to recognize him and give him credit where it's due and uh, marcus and zach Lowe brought that up as well uh when uh you know naturally Zach Lowe's really good at playing both sides. Um, you know, when it's appropriate for teams, if he has a team-specific guy on, he'll uh, he'll bring up uh, most of the time several points where he where he asks the the local guy if there are points that concern him. And for Marcus, uh, Marcus was basically saying that that um, a reason not to worry about these bucks is the fact that Brooke Lopez has come back looking, uh, if not the exact same, pretty close to the old Brooke Lopez that, that we remember uh, from last year's title run. Uh, Zach Lowe also brought up the fact that uh, he was nervous for Brooke's return, of course, because of the Serge Ibaka trade. And... In hindsight, if we have Brooke back to his former self and Giannis and Bobby Portis, the Dante DiVincenzo trade might not age uh, as gracefully, but, you know, we, we have to remember that Brooke wasn't quite back yet, and it was maybe hard to, or impossible to know exactly how he would look until he came back, so I still think it was a smart move to have Surge and even if we need Surge and the most limited of minutes moving forward, he's that same Brooke Lopez prototype of a guy who's, um, you know, uh, I don't know if elite is too strong at this point, but uh, at least what I've seen, he's, he still has reliable rim protection, and he's uh, shown that he can still knock down a three. So, uh you know, I'm usually happy to see him out there, out there with Giannis. Just um, similar to how excited I am to see Brooke out there with Giannis again. Um, last interesting point was that Marcus Johnson mentioned that the that the Toronto Raptors series from 2019 still uh, bothers the Bucks, uh, specifically Chris Middleton, and naturally Zach Lowe kind of laughed about that because he figured. Like what the heck? Why is why is why are Chris and the Bucks still bothered by that series now that they've won a championship? Like, shouldn't they be vindicated? But um, they mentioned that that might be a sign that uh, that the Bucks are still hungry and they're still um, as long as as they're together and they're still at the peak of their powers. They're still chasing. They're still chasing a championship and they're not satisfied with um with the one from last year so uh yeah i look for i i'm really looking forward to to these playoffs now i'm a lot less nervous now that we see brooke out there playing well we're seeing uh more consistent wins from our bucks we've won nine of our last 10 games nope that's the celtics ignore that scratch that we've won seven of our last three though which is good and um yeah i have no reason to think uh 
I have no reason to think that our success won't continue. There's no one I'm particularly afraid of in the first round. Um, I know Zach Lowe asked Marcus if there's like a specific team that he's afraid of the most. And when I was thinking about it for myself, I kind of did the same thing as same thing as Marcus, where I brought up multiple teams of like, you know, that conference is deeper. So there's reason to believe that, you know, any team could go far, but um, yeah, there's no team that like, there's no team that really jumps off the page to me in terms of, uh, you know, a real, real threat to the Bucks. And Zach Lowe still thinks we're the safest pick to come out of the East. And uh, I'll definitely subscribe to that. What the hey? Uh, you know, I'm biased, but we're the reigning champs the first time i'm saying it somehow this show um but upcoming schedule for this week reigning champs have uh some formidable opponents coming up speaking of uh potential uh playoff matchups in the first round or later we play the sixers uh in philadelphia on tuesday and we play the nets in brooklyn on thursday and I'm not a not a hundred percent sure on my reporting, but I believe Kyrie Irving should be available in Brooklyn finally, so that could be an even tougher matchup. Um, we also play the Clippers on the second night of the back to back in Fiserv after being in Brooklyn, so that's almost a schedule schedule loss in its own. So it'll be interesting to see how the Bucks play it. Um, especially if, if there's concern about guys needing rest or if, if they have anything lingering, uh, might be a bit of a bumpier road, but, uh, it just means I have more to look forward to on next week's episode and, uh, hope you're excited too. Until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Knuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.